the body laughingly, alluding to the saying that the morning rainbow is the ghost of the day that passed at dawn. The next moment he broke into a fragment of song. Out of the golden yesterday, through the dusty now and the dim tomorrow, hand in hand go joy and sorrow. Yes, joy and sorrow, O glad body, exclaimed the will. But it is the joy only that is as vain as the rainbow, which has no other message. It should be called the bow of sorrow. Not so, said the soul gently. Or if so, not as you mean, dear friend. It is not love that gives the clearest sight. For out of bitter tears and tears unshed, riseth the rainbow of sorrow overhead, and neath the rainbow is the clearest light. The will smiled. I too must have my say, dear poets. Where rainbows rise through sunset rains, by shores forlorn of, of isles forgot, a solitary voice complains, the world is here, the world is not. The voice may be the wind or sea, or spirit from the sundown west, or mayhap some sweet air set free from the islands of, of the blessed. It may be, but I turn my face to that which still I hold so dear, and lo, the voices of the days, the world is not, the world is here. Tis the same end whichever way, and either way is soon forgot. The world is all in all today, tomorrow all the world is not. Hey, what's up? How you doing? I'm good. <laughs> good. Hey. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Can you hear me? Okay, good. Yeah. Yeah, God forbid. Fucking wife. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Shane was on um, YouTube Live last week on paranormally blonde channel right yeah yeah they, and you guys they invited me on and uh which they're awesome i was i was thrilled to come on but um oh my god it was like uh um yeah as soon as i got on uh we were on live and right I, the connection i don't know what it is i the wi-fi here has never been bad so i don't i'm guessing it's my ipad yeah but you um, did good though huh oh well good i couldn't hear half of what they said <laughs> you're like I, what <laughs> yeah i i was it was like the connection was so bad i could i there was probably 
one or two times I I heard the whole question. Oh, you're trying and to so keep I up. Was, you're like, ah. yeah. Was, oh God, it was so anxiety producing. <laughs> but it, it, I I I was happy. I thought it was great to go on there, but I never want to go through that again. Where I can't hear somebody, <laughs> it was like very stressful. And I know it. I mean, it shouldn't be at all, but it was just um, like, uh, uh, yeah, it was frustrating. I couldn't hear. I couldn't hear. I don't. I've, I've got to figure out what that is because when we do these, um, there's never an issue. Yeah, I had and that I, issue. Yeah, I never. <laughs> I never have an issue with the um, uh, streaming movies or anything. So yeah, I'm not sure what. Yeah. Yeah. But that the iPad but, is about six years old at this point. Maybe it's something to do with that. I don't know. Right. And you guys <laughs> talked about spook lights and fairies. And by the way, yeah. um, you could tell there was some technical difficulties, but not really. Like it, it went, it flowed. It went well. Good. Thank was, you. Spook lights and fairies. And do you have some fairies for us this week? I think you do. Or no? Did you go uh, another route? Well, yeah, oh, yeah, sort of. <laughs> not not really, okay. but sort of. Yeah, right. the, um, uh, that's basically what I've been digging into for right. the past month, and and uh, I'm uh, my obsession with it's still going strong, but um, mm -hmm. I'd uh. uh Zelia Edgar came out with a new book. Um, she's um, her name on YouTube is just another tinfoil hat, right? And she yes. came out with a book called Just Another Tinfoil Hat Presents. It's her first book, and it is so good. It is so good. Mm -hmm. she, she, I think she did a zine. Uh, for those that don't know, the zine is just a self-published magazine. And mm -hmm. um, I think um, a while back, she did a zine devoted to John Kill called The Church of John Kill. Oh, which okay. Me and Lisa are huge fans of John yes. Kill and um, the paranormal researcher, the Mothman prophecies, blah, blah, blah. And um, it is such a good book. I can't praise this book enough. I think it's excellent. Um, yeah, very right, paranormal book. <laughs> awesome. It's a book full of cases. And um, uh, it's a nice mixed bag of like cases you've heard about, cases you haven't. But even the ones you've heard about, like the Flatwoods Monster and... Um, uh, a couple other ones that you'd um, recognize. Uh, I think even the Riverside case that we talked. Yeah, the the Riverside. <gasps> Remember we talked about that, Charles Wetzel. Yeah, yeah. It, she uh, dug up some really cool stuff on that case. That's like case nice. six. Yeah. So um, I highly recommend this book, and I figured I'd uh, read a little snippet from that. Okay. Okay, this is case 13, the Connecticut creatures. <clears throat> time and time again, strange entities are defined by the conditions that surround them. 
a shadowy humanoid in a graveyard is a quote ghost just as the same shadowy humanoid in the woods is a bigfoot Mm. likewise beings observed in conjunction with any type of aerial anomaly are quote ufo occupants whether they are seen to occupy said anomaly or not such is the case with the following account on September 15, 1967, Carol Luke and Ruth Passini, both 14, were hanging out listening to music in Carol's bedroom, located in the second story of her farmhouse on Wallens Hill Road, just outside Winstead. Her mother had gone to the store around 7.30, and the two friends were still awaiting her return when the succeeding event unfolded around 8.45. Both girls were watching out the window for Miss Luke when they saw a brilliant egg-shaped object the size of a small car about 200 yards away near a barn complex. They thought at first that it was near the ground, but then realized it was actually hovering in the air. As they watched the object, they claimed that it changed color, running through a spectrum of super-luminous white to beige to pink to deep scarlet about 10 times. The object was absolutely soundless. However, the silence was not to last long. Suddenly, the girls heard a noise they compared to that of a power mower when it fires but fails to start. That's a weird noise to hear. Yeah. <laughs> the coming from the area of the barn. Immediately after they heard this noise, the two girls saw two small figures come out of the barn and run to a mailbox on the road. They claimed that they couldn't really get a good look at the figures as by then it was dark out and clouds kept obscuring the moon. However, they estimated that the figures stood about four feet tall and had abnormally large heads. Carol later stated that she believed, though couldn't, absolute, couldn't absolutely be sure, that one of the figures was more defined than the other and had even larger head than its compatriot. The two creatures stayed by the mailbox for a couple of minutes, then ran across the road and hid under a large tree. Headlights appeared, at which point the duo ran back across the road and were joined by another figure identical to themselves. This do-come trio ran past the barn and hid while the car passed by. <laughs> the mm. girls tried in vain to see the little beings after they vanished behind the barn, but they did see the light once more as it became dimmer and dimmer. They believed that it had begun losing luminosity when the car went by, and by the time Miss Luke returned home, it was dim to the point of obscurity. The two teenagers weren't the sole witnesses to this weird event. Miss Pinoza, who owned the lot across the street where the two creatures had run to, affirmed that she too had seen the egg-shaped object, which frightened her so badly she went into her house, shuttered the windows, and locked the door behind her. <clears throat> two other adults by the names of M. Moorhead and B. Marecki also came forward to say that they had observed the same bright object within an hour of the initial sighting. Like many of my favorite landing cases, the defining feature of this incident seems to be the nonsensical behavior of the entities involved, which first and foremost, it's tempting to refer to these little guys as UFO occupants. However, 
the Winstead creatures bring up an important point. So very many entities are identified as UFO occupants, regardless of if they are seen to occupy a UFO or not. Mm-hmm. Many accounts of entities are tossed into the UFO bin, even in the absence of any sort of UFO presence in the area at the time of the sighting. In this case, yes, there was a close sighting of some unexplained aerial phenomenon, and there did seem to be a connection between the beings and the egg-shaped object. Namely, they showed up at the same time and the object dimmed when the beings came out of the barn. However, although the entities showed up in conjunction with the object the only thing they truly occupied was the barn (laughs) Mm. as in other cases the entities in this account were ushered in by both a light anomaly and a strange noise there we go there we go (laughs) (laughs) in this case the mechanical sound of a misfiring power mower anomalous mechanical noises your favorite have their ties to other paranormal encounters, such as poltergeist and other cryptid encounters. Now, there's more to it, but I figured that was... Wow. Yeah. (laughs) And back to the... uh, uh, Back to the Fae, these things behaved like the Fae. They didn't behave like... um, you know, like running around hiding and playing. That's, you know. Right, it right. doesn't sound like a, um, extraterrestrial behavior to me, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, that does sound like a good book. Have you got this book yet? No, I haven't got it no, yet. Got I'll have to get it. it. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. I have to get it. It's amazing. Yeah, it's and now I'll be looking out since I have a barn outside my house. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's pretty great, and um, the uh, the bibliography is awesome too. There's a ton of work cited. Right. You know. Um. Yeah, it's and that's one of our hobbies too. Just digging up, <laughs> digging. Yeah, it's in there. <laughs> it's fun. Oh, by the way, just to ramble. Um, I got a killer variant of the Return of the Living Dead soundtrack. Oh, is that what you were selling on Instagram? Yeah, okay. yeah. It's it's a bootleg. Some genius made it. And um, it's a bootleg of the Return of Living soundtrack with the alternate cover, like a foreign movie poster cover, which I think is better. And uh, it's on uh, blue, smoky vinyl. And um, it's uh, for you fans of Return of Living Dead, you'll know what I'm talking about. The. Uh, uh, there's extra songs added that weren't included mm-hmm. on the original and the bumper music from the movie is in between the songs. Nice. It's okay. so cool. It's so cool. I can't believe whoever made it, my hat's off to them because it's a, uh, it's a great job. Nice. Yeah. I 
<laughs> I got um, Cryptid Crate Jr. for yeah. Sweetie for my granddaughter. And I got yeah. the t-shirt in my size. <laughs> <laughs> so I got like some it? too. It's awesome. Yeah. She now, loved how did she it. like it? Did she... she loved it. Yeah, good. <laughs> I mean, totally worth the money. You get the you get the doll, the stuffed, you know, the stuffed animal. We got Mothman. Yes. She got a pin. She got a tattoo. Nice. Um, what else came with it? Oh, and they even stick it in the t-shirt. I got the t-shirt. I'll switch it to her size next time. But um, yeah. um, yeah, she loved it. And and they even stuck in like color and pages and stuff. Like they stick it in there. Oh, so she totally a good purchase. Good. Good. Yeah, I I wanted to touch on some of the stuff from um, your YouTube thing the other day with the blondes. Yeah, um, I'm I'm glad um, um, I'm glad you paid attention to that because um, me too. They brought okay. up some good uh, good questions. Well, yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, of course with fairy lore and stuff there's all kinds of directions you can go with it but i wanted to um i was just thinking about like how it's like you know when people ask well it's dangerous right like it's dangerous to try to interact or you know what i mean and i just wanted to talk about that just a little bit and i have a couple of count of accounts or examples um yes I was thinking about it like, okay, something being dangerous doesn't mean it's evil. It's natural for us to do good and evil in our head, you know what I mean? Right. Because of, you know, our reality and whatever. But um, they're not human. So I, I think the danger is... Like, like you, we can barely get through the day without offending our fellow humans, right? Right. <laughs> I mean, really. Um, so it's just there's the likelihood that you could offend them is, you know, pretty high, right? Because they're not even human. We don't understand. Absolutely. Um, their etiquette or what's rude to them. And also the danger, I think... Like, could they kill you? I, I don't know. We could probably find cases. I don't know. But I think it's more of a mental danger. Do you know what I mean? Right. And um, Go ahead. I'm Thank sorry. You. I'm chopping at the bits. Go ahead. Go ahead. Finish because I have something to add to this. Oh, so I was looking at because there's a couple cases that are like my pet. <laughs> there's my pet cases in my head. Yeah. But um, I was looking at like Dion Fortune's. Um, like the three major strands of Western of the Western mystery tradition, which yeah. is um, which is the Green Ray, which would be like uh, Wicca or witchcraft or paganism, and which also that's where like the nature spirits and stuff like that would fall into that category, right? Right. And that category, let me tell you the other two first. There's cer- ceremonial magic and Christian mysticism are the three like major 
strands. So um, the green ray, which I just said was the pagan stuff, uses empathy and it also deals with our subconscious. Okay. Yeah. Real quickly, ceremonial would deal with symbolism and it's called the orange ray. And then Christian mysticism um, deals with devotion and it's the purple ray. So the nature spirits, the green ray, that stuff deals with our subconscious, right? Yeah. And that's kind of not, you know, that's kind of a big mystery in itself, right? You know, that's where dreams come from and stuff, you know, and our primal urges and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I definitely have some cases where um, examples of how you can, it can mess with you mentally. And I, I think that's the real danger, personally. But. Yeah. Do you, um, so you have some cases to share? Yeah. Well, yeah. like, first would be Netta Fernario, which was, she was an occultist, and um, she ended up uh, dead on the island of Iona. She was found naked in her ceremonial robe, and... um. So she actually was found dead. And now, of course, it was, um, she was out there um, working with uh, the fairies. And um, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a big case. That's a a big. And then um, William Sharp and Fiona McLeod. William Sharp was also, he was a writer and a a cultist who wrote a whole bunch of really amazing stuff um, under the name Fiona McLeod. And it was a big mystery at the time because everyone wanted Fiona McLeod to like, you know, come do talks and stuff. And she said she was shy and do you know what I mean? It was like a secret. And then when he died, he died his wife you know, told the press and stuff. But the story underneath of that is he um, he worked with, like, Yates and, like, the Celtic offshoot of the Golden Dawn. Yeah. And was even friends with uh, McGregor Mathers and, and, you know, all of them. Right. And they were, there's letters where McGregor and Yates and they were worried about William because it was believed that he did contact a fairy and that Fiona McLeod was writing through him. Oh wow. Do you know what I mean? Like right. she the fairy the fairy was writing through him. Right. And to the point where he would um he would like has to go to Iona he would it would he become obsessive about it like he he would like hear the sea like he would hear things to see and stuff and he knew he had to go right or had yeah. to go let her let her right so that's a whole big rabbit hole we can go down that's... but I wanted to bring that up because because his friends who were occultists also were worried about him you know I mean? I've yeah I've always been interested in um 
um, so-called automatic writing cases like mm-hmm. that. Um, there's um, a um, uh, Michael Aquino who passed, I think he passed away last year. He was um, one of the early members of the Church of Satan with Anton LaVey. Mm-hmm. And um, he left the Church of Satan in 75, I think, um, and started the Temple of Set. And um, hit the basic text or whatever for that was called I think coming forth by night or something. And mm-hmm. he claims that that's how it came to him, that he channeled the God set mm-hmm. and uh, that he sat down and wrote that text uh, right. through him. Like it, what he claims it wasn't him writing it, it or from his head, it was from this God, you know? And um, yeah, that's always interesting to me. It seems right. To me too. Yeah. Here and there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I I did a whole episode on that, but I didn't know about that guy. So that would have fit. Yeah. But yeah. Um. So. Um. And then my other. Um. Well, I'll get. To, yeah. Let me do his first. Sorry, guys. Let me do. Oh, you're fine. Let me do. Sorry, my papers. I need the right one because I want to do John Duncan next. John Duncan was part of the Celtic revival and he was an artist. And if if you don't know him by name, if I stick up some pictures, you'll be like, oh, John Duncan. <laughs> I think I already stuck up a picture on Instagram. Um, let's see. Let me read from this book. And this is from the book Seeing Fairies, which you should get because this is a really good book. Oh, yes. I'm writing it down. In 1941, there was held at the Scottish National Gallery an exhibition of paintings, including those of fairies and other little etheric creatures, by the distinguished Edinburgh artist John Duncan, who for nearly 40 years was a member of the Theosophical Society. Um, Charles Richard Gammon said in a letter in 1952, I knew Duncan very well. He was perhaps the only mystic painter Scotland ever had, the Scottish Blake. He was also a poet, a scholar, a man of gentle and wise spirit, and a close friend of Fiona MacLeod during that poet's last years. The fairy folk Duncan saw in the islands were not only the little people, but the lordly ones. Um, Alastair Alpin McGregor, who also knew John Duncan, told me that the painter first went to Iona for a brief holiday, but stayed for months, coming more and more under the enchantment of that sacred isle. While walking alone one day, he had noticed two figures tall and of strange aspect, descending a hill in his direction. Their feet did not bend the thick heather over which they walked, and they made no sound as they passed close to him and then faded out. From that moment, he knew that he was Fay, 
Subsequently, he saw other members of the Shi on Iona and always obliquely out of the corner of his eye. He had so much experience of fairy and the lordly ones there, said Alistair, that he found himself losing touch entirely with the earth and his own earthly existence. So in the end, he thought it wiser to tear himself away from that mystical haunted aisle. Wow. See? Yeah. I'm sorry. Am I interrupting? I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Yeah. Fascinating. I I love that um, um, it makes me think of Robert Anton Wilson's Cosmic Trigger, where huh. um, if you get too deep into these things, uh, magic, psychedelics, uh, etc., right. there's a danger of losing losing your shit and losing your hold on this material right (laughs) losing right to be able to function in this reality and it makes me think you know what it makes me think of what um we both watched archive 81 yes yes (laughs) everybody watched archive 81 but um you know how the um her friend they give her the lady gives her the paint yeah and then she's like it makes me think of that like you get in touch with something and then she's like obsessively like painting like non-stop you know yeah 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 it makes me think of that and um um nicholas shrek was uh being interviewed a while back and he said with him that's a problem he even since he was a kid like he lives in the spiritual world it's hard for him to come and function in the material world he has to work at it you know right and uh because for him he this is what he says that naturally he's there so he has to put you know he has to uh put effort to put effort into and i and i i i can totally see that um with some people it's um i told you about the time i emailed brad steiger that night before he died yes yeah he had i had read a quote of his about um and it was a simple quote in a robert anton wilson book and he said um uh the sanitariums are filled with people who went out to study the occult but weren't ready to yeah and i um I just emailed him. I said, for some reason, this quote has nagged me for years. I just want, would you care to elaborate? And he said, well, every single book I written is proof of that statement. Right. So, uh, uh, yeah, I think it's, uh, it's very possible. And this brings up another person I looked up was Dora Van Gelder, who was a theosophist. And she developed therapeutic touch. I just wanted to throw that in there. But um, she wrote, um, she wrote on this too. Plucking up courage, I began to ask them, how is it that I can see you in this way? And they replied, you don't normally see us because of the hard stone, concrete roads, and the harsh light, street lights. Oh, wow. But we abide in the wild places still. 
As I spoke to them, I began to realize that this state of consciousness was a various danger, a very dangerous one to remain in. I could very easily slip away into the fairy realms. I returned yeah. home and ate three meals, one after the other. Then I went to sleep. On awakening, I had the second sight no more, to my great relief. <laughs> she wrote. Wow. It, it, it's, yeah, it's the, um, uh, the term pixie led. Right. You know, may, maybe um, that... Um, Maybe that's not totally literal. Maybe it means led by the senses, too, you know? Right, right. Yeah. And then what other stuff? Like, I got so much stuff. Like, um, oh, this is um, C.W. Ledbetter, which is another theosophist. And then I don't think I printed out, but A.E. Waite um, talks a lot about the fairies in um, The Candle and the Vision, I think is the name of that book. I think I'll look it up. But okay. um, so Ledbetter <clears throat> did a whole thing. Um, so I'm just going to kind of, he says they're, they're etheric. Okay. So yeah. they're not even, according to the theosophists, they're not even like flesh and blood like us. Do you know what I mean? Right. Okay. But... They use glamour so they can appear however they want, basically. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Um, so they can make make us see them how they want to be seen. Okay. Okay. And then yeah. it does um, a question asked during your um, YouTube um, was, "Do they die?" And right. it's. And, and Ledbetter talks about this. Um, their life periods are different. Nature spirits are different than humans. Um, they kind of come into being. Their their energy. They're made in. They're made out of energy, which we are too. But you know what I mean. Right. And so they kind of come into being. And yes, they can eventually kind of blink out. But it's nothing like life and death, like we experience. Right. Right. It's. It's um, uh, not on our rules, not by our rules. Right. Know? I think that's the problem with um, a lot of this is um, we, um, as people, we try and um, we try and put everything in our t our terms. Right. You know, and um, they're beyond that. They don't, you know, even something like a lifespan doesn't mean the, the same thing, you know. Right. And I loved that he taught, Ledbetter talked about um, why we, like, they're always there, right? But why we don't see them. And he, he described it as, okay, we're, we're humans. They're not. Right. They're etheric and they feel everything, okay? Right. And empathic and stuff. And he said that being around humans was like being around a hurricane. Right. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, I can see that. It's, that is so <laughs> profound. And um, as 
many accounts as we've dug into, there are so many. Um, there was even a Bigfoot one that I think was a precedent in it. But um, um, a lot of people see the Fae after meditating. Right. Not expecting to. It just happens. And, um, um, or, um, encounter other paranormal things. Um, and that makes so much sense because like you said, you're quieting the mind, you're separating from the noise of everyday life. Right. And you're able to, uh, pick up pick up on that stuff yeah it's... and i think i brought this up the other night when i was reading this i think i texted you but that when i was reading that and thinking about that it made me think about the holiday things yeah, yeah. and and how us how humans are kind of a little bit different during the holidays yeah. people you're exactly right um uh even if you're not not that aware of it your defenses relax right we try to be a little more grateful a little yeah you're not working you're around family um um maybe celebrating yeah yeah so you're in a different state of mind Yeah. yeah so very interesting stuff very interesting um i um recently picked up a book but i wasn't going to talk about it but because so much of this is hitting on some so much of what you said is hitting on what i've been reading i figured i'd bring it up um i was watching i came across this youtube channel and um this woman talks about the fae and and her experiences with the fae her name is ann ann a tree Uh and uh a-T-R-I is her last name. And um, I j- just became fascinated with her videos. They were insane, just really good. And um, so I picked up her book. It's called Faye the Unveiling um, on okay. Amazon. And it's, I've really, I'm halfway through with it, but it's really good. And her claim is that, um, she has befriended one of the fae mm-hmm. and um he lets her ask questions and um some of the things she said are just one thing the the big thing that really hit me when i was reading this was like oh my gosh she talks about how they do not understand polarity like these okay. things like um either or type thinking or right wing left wing that's totally beyond their comprehension beyond okay. their understanding and it's repellent to them and i i thought that was so fascinating and i'm going to go deeper with this soon but um i remember a point in my life in my late 20s when i became aware of my own um polarity polarity and um um the um the framework in which i put everything was Mm -hmm. 
in that. And it was so limiting. And I remember when I became aware of it and worked to change it, how liberating it was. Right. And, and um, it was very profound. And um, uh, there's a couple articles <clears throat> that touch on this um, that I still go back to and reread um, a lot because it's just so important to me. I, but I, I just thought that was amazing how. Um, it's it may, it's making me think of the hurricane statement. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> and um, she, you know, she also emphasizes in her book, they don't, they don't care about labels um, or names. And those things don't ma- matter. Um, she says they are between, they're perfect beings from nature that are between the spiritual and the material yes uh that's that's her definition and um her uh in this book she gives advice on um communicating with them and she said the biggest thing is because they can read intent is um always tell the truth and don't try to use them right yeah and um uh there's a lot more in the book i'm barely scratching the surface but i just that one sounds good too (laughs) i'm really excited yeah i'm excited about it so i wanted to bring it up and uh um yeah i think it's very well done her youtube videos are very well done um yeah good stuff you made me think of sorry um the fiona mcleod's writings that i was talking about right Um, right which are really good. Um, Fiona wrote a play called The Immortal Hour, and it's basically a take on the wooing of eating myth, um, except Fiona added a character to the story. And the character that's added is Delua, who is the dark fairy fool. Okay. Right. And he's he's like my favorite character, I'm sorry. Um, but he is a fair, is the dark fairy fool, and he basically I guess kind of like a trickster, but he kind of like arranges everything, like with the humans and stuff. Like he's just like making meetings happen or making people bump into each other. He's like oh, wow. orchestrating. Yeah, yeah. And I, I just, I'm obsessed with that <laughs> a little bit. But just that, you know, being able to see, not being stuck in the present, like seeing the past and the future and whatever, and kind of just kind of arranging things. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, the, yeah, back to the trickster aspect. Right. You know? Not arranging things for good or bad or you know right light or dark just arranging things things that come out of our mind or our heart you know what i mean right and uh uh and to us it might appear to be nonsensical like what's the purpose you know but right (laughs) and his character and i love his character his character if he touches you, 
it can e- either bring you madness or death. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And it touches on the point of, like, he, in in the play, he can go, it describes that he can go um, in the realm of the gods, right? Right. And in, in, in the realm of the humans, like, he's between. He's the, yeah, he's the diplomat. <laughs> Somewhere between, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, very... Definitely, our mind plays a part, and the subconscious, and and oh, I don't I'm know if we, can, you know, it's it's they're not human. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Well, did you have more accounts? Um, I. Had, mm-hmm. I think yeah, I got another one. Um, good old Preston Bennett. All right. Yes. Um, this is Ac- from. Actually, has a new video out. I haven't watched it. Yeah. Yeah. Did I, you? I, uh, I I watched it, but I was kind of distracted, so I okay. need to watch it again. But yeah, I I uh, never miss them. I have, <laughs> I have notifications up for when they come on. <laughs> but um. <clears throat> This is from Not From Here, Selected UFO Articles, Volume 3, by Preston Dennett. Um, This is from Chapter 5, Can We Contact UFOs with a Ouija Board? Oh. (laughs) Generally speaking, UFO encounters are fleeting events that occur randomly to very surprised witnesses, or so it might seem. In some instances, however, the opposite appears to be true. Witnesses experience precognition and are able to predict their encounters. But even these precognitive flashes are, like UFOs, unpredictable. But what if you could actually call down UFOs from the sky? What if you could make an appointment with a UFO? What if you could call down a UFO using nothing more than a Ouija board? This may sound fantastic, but there are but there are a few cases on record where people have apparently been able to establish contact with UFOs through a Ouija board. And as we shall see, there are some reasons why this method might work. In his book, The The Utah UFO Display, noted ufologist Frank Salisbury tells the story of how in February 1967, several grade school students began playing around with a Ouija board. To, the, to their surprise, the board told them that a UFO would appear over the Roosevelt Hospital in Roosevelt, Utah. It even gave an exact time and date, 8 p.m. on February 26. Mm. Two students, Tammy and Tim McDonald, decided to see if their Ouija board was telling the truth. As they prepared for their appointment, their mother jokingly said, you'd better hurry, it will be gone before you get there. At that point, the two children began screaming. (laughs) To their surprise, the UFO had kept the appointment. They all ran outside and observed a kind of orange ball, orange to red, kind of in a circle, bigger than an ordinary light. The light was circular in shape and began moving toward them, blinking on and off. Its apparent size was one-third that of the moon. (laughs) 
unknown to the McDonald family, numerous numerous other people also observed the event. Ken Bowers was driving south of Roosevelt when the UFO passed over his car. Hmm. From, <laughs> from five miles away, Leah and Burl Haslam saw the huge globe of light move from north to south over the town. There were other witnesses, including Wesley Erkenbrack, who saw it from his truck, and Roy Merchant, who was in his car when the UFO followed him for about a mile, then went straight up, down, and finally disappeared off to the south. Did the children call down a UFO with a Ouija board? Apparently, mm-hmm. yes. While the case may seem unusual, it is not unique. Well, and I immediately <laughs> thought of Stella Lianzine and Dorothy Isaac. Right? Yeah. yeah. Because they both saw lights or yep. UFOs. It just led into all this, all these experiences they had for a long time. Yeah. And they got them on, they have footage and, and both of them felt like they could ask to see it you know what i mean right after the after the initial whatever right it's crazy yeah all right so now we have to start going outside and or not even going outside i'm so ready it's just uh, ask nicely yeah (laughs) and now that it's warm weather it'll be nice oh i can't wait for warm weather yeah i can't either i'm so sick of that me too. And then every once in a while, like you start getting that tease, you'll get like a warning. I know. Yes. Yeah. The yeah, it's really bad for that here, but <laughs> it's uh, yeah, I've got to start getting out more. I've spent too much time in my room this week. Yeah, winter's <laughs> over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So maybe you just got to ask nicely. Yeah. We'll have to give it a try. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and for fun, did you do you have did you print it out or no? The, what is it? Did you print out the list? Do you have Fay Blood? Uh, or did you not? Yeah, I got it. Oh, I think so. It's like a slumber party. <laughs> this is what <laughs> girls did <laughs> at slumber parties. <laughs> the little quizzes, the little lists. Um, no, I, I printed out the thing you sent me about a week ago. Oh, well, (laughs) (laughs) no, we'll go over it. We'll do it another time. It was, it, I was reading the thing before we started recording, uh, 15 signs you have fairy blood. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I went to, I clicked on it and it was a bad, uh, Oh, I kept sorry. getting pop-ups. No, it's not your fault. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, well, I'll do it. Uh, <laughs> I'll print it out. We'll it. Yeah, we're good. So did you have uh, fairy blood? Do I? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. There was like, it was like, one was you're cold to the touch. And that's not true. Yeah. I don't. Um, the furnace. Me too. <laughs> like people want to sit next to you. Like <laughs> you notice people sitting close. You're like, okay. Um, what was the other stuff? It was like, 
um i don't know it was a goofy thing it was just like um you love nature um like charisma um hey i will say i have this strange ability that i've had my entire life and i'm not really do i don't do anything yeah people feed me (laughs) i swear to god i swear to god people feed me (laughs) people have always fed me i'm not like tiny and anorex i I shouldn't say it that way but you know what i mean i'm not super skinny yeah but people always 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 shove food in my direction so i don't know that's fucking luck man that's great (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so the fairy blood thing that's interesting um and i was reading some stuff where where um I know there's probably a whole vein of stuff on that, but we'll do that another time. <laughs> there's a lot of folklore in that direction, I'm sure. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Actually, I had some UFO stuff, but we're almost at an hour, so maybe I'll bring it back. What do you think? Yeah. What do you want? Sounds- yeah. All right, everybody. We we will be back soon. All right. Take care. All right. All right. Bye.